Hey everyone, it's Vanessa. You're listening to Verified, a podcast that centers conversations around equity and inclusion. Today we have a very special guest, Kiyosha. Do you mind just introducing yourself for the listeners? Yeah, for sure. Uh, my name is Kiyosha Love. I'm a multidisciplinary artist, activist, and educator. Um, I do a lot of work within the state of Toronto, um, and I focus on you know arts, education, and community to empower um, BIPOC communities and women. I love that. So... A lot of times artists kind of refrain from that or they don't really value, not to say they don't value their work, but the word artist comes with so much. It's a very strong Mm. label Um, and it could mean anything. So Mm. what type of art do you do? Mm. Um, For the longest time I've done poetry, I've always written my entire life. Um, And then I started doing short stories and film writing and directing. So I dabble in a little bit. Uh, but I think the art form that I'm the most passionate about is definitely writing. Nice. Yeah. And how did you get into that? Like, how did you know you were a good writer and, like, start bringing that to the community instead of just keeping it for yourself? Um, I think I was just always the person who had a lot to say and just didn't know how to find the space or the outlet to express myself. Um, and writing was my outlet. It was my truth. It was my way of, like, telling a story. And I love to tell stories and share my story and share the things that I've experienced. So writing does that in fabulous ways. And I'm going to quote Toni Morrison. It was her birthday yesterday. And I posted something um, that she was interviewed. And she talked about how powerful it was to have a story and manipulate it, take Mm -hmm. your experiences and to tell it in this way. And writing, it was kind of like a way of thinking, a a way of feeling and a way of life. So that, I feel like, is true to me as well, and writing has always been my outlet. That's very interesting to talk about the conversation behind manipulating stories. Mm -hmm. So you also, as well as being an artist, Mm -hmm. you define yourself as a storyteller. Mm -hmm. When you're telling your own truth, do you bend it in a way and manipulate it in a way that you're still speaking your truth, but that you can share it with people so Mm -hmm. they can identify with it. 100%. I think we all manipulate our stories and our truth, not in necessarily the negative way, but in the way that either makes it more um, powerful or dramatic or maybe focuses on a certain character without, you know, telling us who the character is. I think we all try to tell a story from our lens. And whenever it's from our lens, there's always bias, no matter what. So Mm -hmm. I think everyone's story is manipulated in that sense because— it's from our perspective and what we see is not what others see. Exactly. So in that way, I think it's powerful, but can also be a manipulation. Has there ever been a time when your story, like it's like a beautiful experience mm-hmm. that has happened to you and you've shared it and people are like, uh, like, I don't really like the way you've mm-hmm. told that story. Or like you get critiques mm-hmm. on something that you were so passionate about. I've never had that direct experience in terms of like my words and what I'm trying to say. But in another sense, um, in high school, I wrote a memoir about my mom and I, and I got a really great mark on it. So I'm like, yeah, let me tell my mom. (laughs) And she also um, saw the manipulation. And not that she didn't agree, she didn't see things the way I saw. So I told my story and she's a part of that story. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was a critique. She was saying like, oh, that happened? How? I don't remember this or whatever. You felt that way. Because again, like it's my lens. It's my story. Mm-hmm. So for her, it was like, whoa, never realized you felt that way. Or I didn't even think that actually happened. Um, so I guess in that way, it was kind of a critique and also someone who didn't relate completely to my story. Did that open it up so that you and your mom have a more trusting relationship where you can talk to her about mm-hmm. your lens now? I think that's an ongoing process. We are currently on that ride where I try to 
open her eyes to certain things and help her unlearn. Um, and that could be really hard in a mother di- mother daughter dynamic, mm-hmm. just because it's your mother, and mothers are the ones who are traditionally supposed to teach. But I think we all have a lot to teach each other and exchange. And she's still trying to unlearn that because mm-hmm. sometimes it could be seen um, threatening or as me kind of belittling belittling her as a mother. And I don't ever want to do that. Um, so I think we're constantly trying to help each other understand mm-hmm. um, and break those generational barriers right now. That's that's a beautiful way to put it, is you're mm-hmm. both understanding. You're both unlearning and having to relearn because it is a generational gap of what you're learning and how mm-hmm. you're experiencing it. Um, you also went to Ryerson, mm-hmm. and I want to dive into that, but what you're taught here could also be so different from what your mom was mm-hmm. like taught and how she learned mm-hmm. when she was younger. Um, so it's good that you're actually working through that. And for like the listeners who might not have that relationship with their moms, how would you suggest that they open that conversation up? I'm going to speak for Caribbean mothers because I feel like I could resonate the most. I don't know how other non-Caribbean parents dynamic may look like. So for those with Caribbean or just black parents, I feel like the first thing that you got to do is put down your ego. Mm -hmm. Because when you come in trying to tell your parents what is wrong or right, that's already like a red flag. And that's why their ears aren't open or ready to receive what you have to say. And that's something I did in my teenage life. Um, I tried really hard to open up to my mom because I'm naturally a vulnerable person. I I was never taught vulnerability at home. It's something I just realized I was. Mm -hmm. My mom... She didn't get it, you know? She didn't understand it because she never really had the spaces to be vulnerable with her mother. That's a whole other story. Um, so when I would try to talk to her and reach to her as a teenager, it was a lot of like, you don't know anything. I'm better than you. And I understand why she did not receive that well. I'm, I'm learning and I'm apologizing and trying to reach her in different ways. Mm-hmm. So that's more of like less ego and more like, hey, I think this will be a benefit for both of us, not just me. Because if you come into this dynamic with I'm just trying to benefit my own ego that's why the guards are up yeah right so I think to mothers and daughters I think if you just come into a space where there's no ego and no trying to one-up the person then there could be a mutual understanding and a better dialogue hopefully (laughs) do you run her by the stories that you may incorporate her in now um before you show them to anybody or if you're doing a poetry Mm. in front of people do you be like, hey, mom, I wrote this piece. Just want your feedback before I... It's funny you bring that up because not necessarily. Like, she's seen me um, read some of my poems before. So we've never really talked about it. Mm-hmm. And because they're not really specifically about her. But there is something that I am working on. And a friend asked me if I was going to, like, bring it to her. And I was kind of debating if I should or not. <laughs> um, that's interesting you asked that. Because I'm currently writing a piece about the mother-daughter dynamic. Mm. Um, and, like, building healthy relationships in Black families. And how we could start the conversation in a good way and not in a like dysfunctional way. Because sometimes conversations end up being misunderstandings and a lot of yellings and a lot of conflict. So trying to find a way to meet your parents the way they are. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to work on that piece right now. It's not a poetry piece. It's something for my blog. So it'll be more of like a storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think I would like to show her. Um, but it's also scary at the same time because yeah. we're still working at that. I like the part that you're talking about, like putting your ego aside. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we hear it a lot, though. And sometimes for me, like I'm a Leo, it's that pride. I'm a Leo rising. Really? Yeah. Okay. I love horoscopes. We'll not get into it too much, but we could talk after. Um, but your ego is 
a very complicated thing. And sometimes when you're acting, you don't realize that your pride is blocking it. So mm-hmm. when you put your pride aside, like what's that process for you to be like, you know what, I need to come to my mom. And if I want to create and foster a relationship yeah. where I can sit down, grow, because there's so much trauma. Like mm-hmm. I'm even going through it with my mom. Like mm-hmm. there's a point in time where I have a younger sister mm-hmm. and I started like trying to tell my mom about how to be a good parent. And I've never parented a child. Um, but then I was like, you know what? Like I had to sit down and have a conversation with her. And I learned that she went through so much trauma and it came to a point I was like, whoa, I actually respect you a lot for going mm-hmm. through that. And now I understand you mm-hmm. a bit, but it was putting that ego aside. But mm-hmm. for me, I know how to do that. Yeah. Um, if you could give advice to people to be like, that's your ego, put that in, like, check mm-hmm. that. Like, how do you recognize mm-hmm. that for people who might not know when their ego is coming out? Good question. I think the best way to check yourself is to ask yourself two things. You know, what am I trying to accomplish and what are my intentions? Mm. When you revisit your intentions, you're able to identify what you need in that moment. And for me, I had to decide, am I trying to be someone who knows it all or am I really trying to get close to my mom Mm. right a lot of the times it was like I just want to show my mom that I know better and now at this age I'm like I just want to get close to my mom I just want to show her that we can be close and that we can you know break those barriers and that we can go through this healing journey together she doesn't have to do alone because a lot of mothers black mothers specifically Mm -hmm. they think they have to do it all alone Right. And it goes back to, you know, trying to be superheroes and superwomen and trying to prove people that we have it all together. Mm-hmm. But the truth is we don't. Um, and that's important to acknowledge. And I'm trying to help my mom understand that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to have friends. It's okay to lean on your daughter because I want to lean on you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm trying to have those conversations now and not just with my mom, but with my sisters. So I'm the oldest of five. Oh, yeah, okay. so I'm I, a second of five. Yeah, so I relate to you completely, and that's things that I'm also trying to unlearn. I'm not trying to tell her I could take her job mm-hmm. or her place. I'm trying to show her there's better ways to speak to your children or to handle them because we're all so different. And mm-hmm. what worked for me might not work for my younger siblings. Exactly. Yeah. That I love that. Yeah. Um, just when you understand how to deal with certain people, mm-hmm. but it is like. It's your mom. She knows you. Mm-hmm. And it's understanding like where she's coming from yeah. and teaching. But beyond just teaching and having these conversations with your sisters and your mom, um, I don't know if you have, do you have any brothers? I have one brother. Okay. So my mom had twins and one's oh. a boy. So he's the only boy in the family. That's a very interesting dynamic right now because he's like eight and thinks he's a man. And he sees all the <laughs> girls around and she's like, I'm the man here. And like, it's just, it's. That's not it. Not it. But, but I understand. Um, so besides just educating them, you also use your art as a form to educate others mm-hmm. about wellness. Mm-hmm. What's the importance of doing that? And how did you come to doing that mm-hmm. with your with your art? I think one way that I kind of started to realize that wellness needs to be a daily practice was realizing that there's no conversation around how we take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? It's kind of like, um, you know what I, um, I came across the other day? There was this question and it was like, Why is my strength determined by how much pain I can endure? Powerful question. That's good, yeah. Why is my strength measured by how much pain I can endure? And I realize that a lot of us women are being praised for all the weights we have on our back. We're being praised Mm -hmm. for how much we could carry. We're being praised for how much we can like pretend everything's okay. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is so backwards. And I started to learn, unlearn that because I would be the same person. I'm like, I'm a fighter. I'm a soldier. Bro, I need rest. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So once I kind of came to that 
space, I'm like, yeah, no. This is not how I want to live the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be the strong, black, independent girl, snaps fingers every day, you know? And that's something that I had to reclaim mm-hmm. for myself and rewrite my own narrative because people will write the narrative for you and for black women and tell you how you're supposed to act. And that's something I wasn't about and wanted to change for myself and for my family. Mm. But those conversations are hard. Um, And I think the best way to navigate those conversations was making sure we're okay first. And that's where wellness comes. Because if we're not okay, we can't contain these conversations. They're too much for us, right? So healing is how I came to that. And understanding that healing wasn't just about going to a hospital and getting stitches or getting Band-Aid. It was like inner work too. Mm -hmm. And like, pulling up emotions that you thought you didn't have, but you really still did. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things in the past that are still following us and that we still project onto others. And how can we deal with that? How can we get through that? So I started doing a lot of healing work for the past two years. Um, This is still new to me. I'm not an expert. Um, But what this wellness journey for me looked like was unpacking. Unpacking. It doesn't have to be online all the time. I think online is a great platform. But some some of this process is offline too. So you could choose, like, if you want to go online and share your truth, by all means, that's amazing. But it's not the only way to heal. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of that looks like offline finding professional help or leaning on someone else who could give you that help. Because we all know that therapy isn't as accessible for folks. So there's many ways. And I think it has to be tailored towards you. So some of the things that I love to do is yoga. You know, I love to write. But I also understand that even writing is hard work. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes write writing takes up too much emotion. So I'm like, I don't want to write today. So sometimes I'll roller skate. I love scooters. That's kind of like my self-care. When I'm like really upset, I roller skate. Um, I talk to somebody. I really like to talk. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> and because um, when I'm talking, I don't even need you to give me advice. It just mm-hmm. helps me get clarity. Because a lot of things we're keeping in our head and it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And again, I'm going to quote Toni Morrison because she said in this interview, She's like, everything that was disorganized in my head, when I put it onto paper, it was like all clear, right? It's the same thing with talking. You're like saying A, B, C, D. And then when you spit it out, you're like, oh, it was really B. Yeah. You know what I mean? So talking was my tool of like wellness and like mm-hmm. taking care of myself. But I know that doesn't look the same for everybody. So using my art to kind of show others, these are some options. You know, these are some resources. Um, and then... Um, I started doing these workshops and events that kind of talked about not just art, but like the importance of wellness and how sometimes we do art for the wellness and we don't even identify that. So for a long time, I was writing to write. And then when I got to high school, I'm like, oh, I actually do this because it makes me feel good because it's my way of escape. It's my Mm -hmm. way of like repairing old wounds. Right. So for the folks who cannot afford crystals, can't afford, you know, yoga, can't afford therapy, which are all great methods. And I use all three of those. Mm -hmm. But again, it's inaccessible. inaccessible. Art is that one thing that we could always draw back to. And I find it's such a powerful tool for folks to heal, to unpack, to express themselves. Um, So I feel like intersecting the two is like a no-brainer. And we're already doing it. It's not something new. It's not something I just made up. We've always done it. You know, our people have been storytelling for years, for years, you know, for decades, for centuries. Um, And we have to go back to it and like why we did that. Why are these stories so important? Mm -hmm. And I hope that I could continue to tell these stories, not only for myself, but, you know, other people of color um, and rewrite the narrative. And yeah. There's something in that that I just took. I'm sitting here like, wow, like, (laughs) thanks for this advice. But like skateboarding, rollerblading, that is so unconventional. And Mm -hmm. I think that needs to be taught more. It's just like Mm -hmm. what you take a break from. Um, 
and it just you don't think about it like mental health like I use art therapy because mm-hmm. that's a method of therapy mm-hmm. but it's like no 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 what can you just relax your mind with right? take a break from, from what feels good to mm-hmm. you and I think those are conversations that actually need to be had more yes. so first of all thank you for sharing that no um but I do want to dive into the pretending aspect mm-hmm. a lot of times in the black community I'm going to speak from a lens that I cannot like identify with is we don't talk. I was raised by a Caribbean father and it was like, stop crying or Mm -hmm. I'll give you something to cry for. You don't be vulnerable. So Mm -hmm. it is that you have to be strong and you know you're strong by what you carry on your back end, Mm -hmm. the scars that you have. Like, are you a fighter? Are you a soldier? But those are conversations and we know like that people in the black community need to talk more. And there's so many other um, immigrant communities who need to talk more. Even I, like I would say like, there's other heritages mm-hmm. and like Canadian culture itself mm-hmm. that I need to talk more, but it's sheltered. So we know that talking is a problem and that we need to get people mm-hmm. to talk. But how do you do that? Good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best way, and I've told actually two of my friends this, um, because they see how I am. And I always try to say it's not a contest. Mm-hmm. It's not about who can talk the most, who can spill the most. And sometimes social media can do that. It's like, okay, should I share this because this person is sharing? Yeah, You could choose whatever you want. But I think something that's been helpful to start the conversation was to listen first. Mm -hmm. So for those who are on social media, you could find any community, whatever you like. If you like plants, there's a community. If you like eyeshadow, there's a community. You know, if you're queer, there's a community. Mm -hmm. If you're black, there's a huge community, right? So I think if you start to listen first and see how much you are not alone, Mm -hmm. that will help you start the conversation. Because a lot of why we don't talk is the stigma. We think our experience is so wildly different. And Mm -hmm. it's really not, right? So like you just talked about you know, your mom and, you know, dad relationships and like trying to break those barriers. And I'm having that same issue and we were just meeting today, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the first part of starting the conversation is listening to what other people have to say. People who look like you, people who are, you know, in the same circumstances as you um, and seeing what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, contemplate on that a little bit. Think about that a little bit. Tell a friend what you read. Do you agree? Do you disagree? That's how you start the conversation. I think that's how it started for me. Mm-hmm. I started to read a lot. I, I'm a big bookworm from when I was young. And a lot of things that I read is either I really liked or I'm like, why? Yeah. You know? I had a lot of questions at a young age. And then this talking started because I had so many things to ask, so many things to wonder, so many things to think about. And that started the conversation for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it could go for anybody. It's like really reading up on something that you're interested in or going to a community to just hear, to just hear those experiences and then coming back with your own thoughts after. Yeah. That is one thing, the questions components. I feel like people who ask a lot of questions are so successful mm-hmm. because they get the answers they want. Um, I don't know if you can relate to this, but in a university setting, um, I also went to Rye obviously. (laughs) But it's in classrooms, it's like, oh, stop raising your hand, stop Mm -hmm. talking. You're discouraged to ask questions, but so many people need to. And then it Mm -hmm. it shuts you out. There's a, I had, I watched a documentary and it was about Ethiopians. Mm -hmm. And they were saying in Toronto, some people can't like connect to that culture because they Mm -hmm. don't know where to go and they don't have that community. It's like, if you're silencing them, that's a huge component of their life, their heritage that they're Mm -hmm. not getting the answers for. And it's like, you can have an identity crisis when you don't know where you're coming from. So ask questions, get Mm -hmm. involved, don't be afraid. Even um, there was one white um, student and she was a female and she came up to me. It was during Black History Month last year. And she's like, 
there's so much I want to know, but like, can I just show up to like mm-hmm. black events? And I'm like, yeah, like 100%. people will actually respect you more when you show up, sit quietly, listen, right? and then ask questions that you want the answers to. If you come in and start telling people stories mm-hmm. for them, that that's the problem. Like right? never speak for someone else. 100%. Um, but with that, I want to ask you, because you identify as a storyteller and we kind of mm-hmm. touched on that before. Mm-hmm. How do you choose the stories that you want to tell? Mm, good question. Um, that's hard. I think it's where I am in life. Okay. Um, well, that could change because sometimes mm-hmm. I want to bring up where I used to be. Um, but a lot of the time it's like, what's happening right now? And how can I kind of convey that into a story? Mm. Um, so the last thing I wrote was on, I think, boundaries. Because I just discovered what boundaries were. And I'm like, wow, this is a game changer. You know, <laughs> this is something that people need to know about, right? So I sometimes it's about like what I'm experiencing in that moment, what stage, you know, growth is constantly fluctuating. Like we're taking steps forward and then sometimes going back and that's okay. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's necessary to go back and revisit where we were um, to be like what worked, what didn't, right? Um, so the stories are really based on where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they do come from a place of healing too, if I do need to go back. So the story that I want to work on eventually about my family and my mom, that's definitely going to take work of going back and revisiting old emotions that might be a little bit hard. Mm-hmm. But then the day are going to not only paint a, a, not a beautiful story, but a necessary story, but also do the necessary work for me to unpack and move forward, you know, in my life and hopefully start my own healthy family. I don't think people realize that part, that mm-hmm. when you're writing, it, it it takes such an emotional toll. Like, yeah. I've said it before, and I'll always say it, like, mm-hmm. Writer's Craft at Ryerson was the hardest class I've ever yeah. taken. Because our, my prof was like, you need to be emotional, like— you're like a good writer, but you're not being vulnerable. And mm. then when you have to push, like I had to talk about things that I wasn't ready, like mm-hmm. you're saying, to talk about. Um, but it is a healing journey. By the end of that, like my mom would see me like writing and be like, why are you crying? Like mm. you're doing your homework. And I was like, it's just so much. Like, yeah. But it was an emotional process to be like, you know what? Like I've never confronted that. It's just mm. a story. But like now I'm looking into like how it's feeling. Because when, yeah. when you take writer's craft, you have to be like, okay, Describe the emotion. Don't just say the emotion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, right? what was I feeling? Um, so that's very interesting mm-hmm. that it is a healing process for you and even for, like, your listeners and who's, who's taking that in. So The resonation is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel one of the greatest rewards about writing is that knowing people are listening and that people are feeling too. Because I think we all sometimes don't want to feel. Mm-mm. I don't want to feel sometimes too. That's real. Like, you know, feelings suck. But at the same time, like, feelings are great, too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing great about, like, someone just messaging you and saying, like, I read that. And, like, bro, same. Mm -hmm. Like, same. (laughs) I'm like, same, sis. That's just the greatest feeling because you know, like, okay, this story does matter. Mm -hmm. It already did. But that affirmation, you know, knowing somebody resonated, knowing that somebody needed that, Mm -hmm. bro, that's just amazing. But also, I want to recognize as well is that like this work is hard and that's why you don't always want to write or photography or mm-hmm. paint because doing what you're passionate about sometimes does evoke that emotion and that's why we need other practices that just make us feel good so that we could take time away from that emotion sometimes um I don't want to write every day yeah. I don't want to cry every day that's you know so finding ways that we could come back from the healing sometimes is necessary too mm-hmm. like healing 100% I recommend everybody to think about what they need to heal from and what are they currently running away from and then knowing that some days it's okay to not do the work yeah that's the biggest part yeah it's okay to take a break people 
I'm still learning how to yeah. do that. Um, I fight myself when I do that. I just, yeah. I, I get too anxious when I'm taking a break, but I need that. Like right. my body, there's a thing that your body can hold more pain than your mind can. Mm. Um, and it will take it and take it until mm-hmm. it just shuts down. It's like, you need to sleep. Right. Um, rest yourself. But to go with, I like the cis same, like mm-hmm. um, what platforms do you share your art mm-hmm. on? Yeah, good question. Um, Two of the main platforms that I use is my blog, so kiyoshalove.com. My website, um, I put a lot of my, so I have a series called Learning How to Fly. Mm -hmm. And it's basically about literally what it says, learning how to fly. Because, like, there are a lot of things that we we can't pick up on our own. And then that stops us from, like, flying with our own wings, right? And I feel like that's something that I'm currently going through. Sometimes I don't know how to fly from a situation. Um, So I talk about different topics that I've experienced and how I've learned how to fly from them. And then I replace the learning how to fly with whatever that topic is for each block. So the boundaries was, like, learning how to set boundaries. Hmm. So it's all about learning and unlearning and how I'm currently trying to, you know, aid my evolution. Um, So I used my website for that. And then Instagram has always been, that's how it started for me, to be honest, because I have such an amazing community. Um, I just started sharing my shit on Instagram, to be honest. Uh, Some people are probably like, girl, that's too much. (laughs) And others are like, yes, more, Mm -hmm. right? So it's just like you will never win, but at the same time, it's for yourself. I always try to tell folks who are looking up to me or want to do similar things to me, it's just like, always reevaluate why you're doing something Mm -hmm. because sometimes we're not ready to share but we want to share because we think that we owe that to our followers or to our audience Mm -hmm. and we need to get rid of that like I know that I want to share only when I'm ready to share and when it's benefiting myself not for who's watching Mm -hmm. right so always like reevaluating your intentions is like really important and I'm trying to do that right now on my platforms and then my other platform Our Women's Voices I'm an organization that I started in 2016 at Ryerson actually um, it's also another platform that I like to share my stories, but also the stories of others. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've done this work and I've been doing this life, I guess, being myself, I realize that there's more than just my story. There are stories of so many women who just don't have the platform to kind of talk about what they're experiencing or the things that they did experience and then overcame. Um, there are a lot of people who go unseen, unheard. And I wanted to stop that and amplify the voices of marginalized women specifically and that's kind of the work that I've been doing for almost four years now. Um, on our platform on Instagram, we share stories of women all around the world. You could either send us a DM so we could feature you or we'll pull from stories that we saw that inspired us. And we kind of created this community where women are kind of like giving each other empowerment, encouragement, or life hacks, hints, maybe a story that really resonated and someone else needed to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just trying to create healthier spaces where women can thrive and that they could use their voice and build their voice. Um, A lot of us don't know where to pull the voice from. So Our Women's Voices holds a lot of events and workshops where we kind of help in that journey um, because that's hard to kind of like just pull your voice out of nowhere, especially when you've been taught as a woman to be discreet, to be humble, to be modest, to be all these things. Um, So a lot of the things that we do is focusing on rewriting that narrative and reclaiming, you know, our voice. Um, And that to me is powerful. And I think um, instead of just using my platform for my story, I want to use my platform for all of our stories so that we're all heard. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what kind of keeps me going every day. That's so beautiful. Do do women um, donate their time for that? Like who are facilitating the workshops? Yes. um, Not all donate. We pay the women as well. So we've gotten funding in the past so that we're able to support other women who want to share their art or teach or 
just whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Is it like by writing grants? Um, we've used grants before, but haven't been that successful. Okay. But a lot of it is um, donations. Nice. So we worked with other collaborators that have donated their money or their time or their resources. So like at an end of, at an end of a, at the end of an event, um, we could provide like gift bags or goodies to our followers that kind of like related to the theme. So mm-hmm. for example, we had. Um, event called Mind Your Body a couple years ago and it was basically about body positivity and you know and sex and like you know this culture of like sex and like the things that are going on the internet and like are we really body posy or is it only that kind of body Mm -hmm. um so we gave everybody some body kits to go home with and like some face masks and like tools and stuff like that that we got sponsored so we try to do that and right now this year we actually are working on two grants fingers crossed we get them so good luck with that yeah Um, I do want to talk about two or yeah, two collaborations that you did. Mm-hmm. One was with Absolute Vodka and the other mm-hmm. was with Nike. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like for you and what, what work did you do with them? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll talk about the Nike one first because that came first, which okay. was mind-blowing for me um, in the beginning because I, again, sometimes you don't realize that you're being seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do this for Black women and women all over. And storytelling has just been, like, a natural for me. Um, And I'll do it whether people are listening or not. So the fact that people were listening was really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And this really super dope girl, um, Abir, she discovered me. I don't even know how. And she was working on a Black History Month campaign called Until We All Win. And it was basically about Black leaders in Toronto or who lived in Toronto Mm -hmm. that are kind of making an impact and can pave the way for other youth who are trying to lead the next generation. Um, And she reached out to me. But when she reached out to me, she did not say it was Nike. (laughs) She just said something like, "Um, hey, I love what you do. This is great. I have this project. Would love you to be a part. And me just being me. Oh, my God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, 100%. Got the email. Nike. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that was really dope experience. And... I kind of kept it quiet for a little bit because it was when I got hired for it, it wasn't until like a month later because it was Mm. for Black History Month and I got notified in January. So I was like so hard to contain that. Um, And I got to be part of these three series, which was really cool. The first one was like a little interview of all the Black leaders. Um, Shout out to Kwame and Chris. They were a part of it as well. It was super cool to meet them. They both do incredible work. Um, So we all got interviewed and did like a promo shoot. Um, and kind of talk about ourselves and what it means to make an impact and to make a change in the community. Then the second day, we had a panel at House of Hoops where all the youth of the next generation who are trying to make a change got to sit in for free and kind of hear about how we got here mm-hmm. and how we're still trying to get somewhere. You know, we're not experts at what we do, but we're currently trying to learn and expand and enhance our lives and, you know, make space for other Black youth to also be involved and to also create change and disrupt Mm -hmm. systems. Um, So that panel was amazing. You know, um, both Kwame and Chris had amazing things to say. Um, And then the final day was the community day where everyone from the panel, including like other younger youth were like five, six, seven, (laughs) got to come for like this big day in Scarborough um, in um, the community center. And we all got to teach our little art forms or our passions to a group of kids. I kind of talk about how we're using our art or our passions to kind of influence change. So I used poetry. So I taught a bunch of six, seven-year-olds. I think the oldest was 12. So six to 12 um, poetry and writing. And I gave them some writing prompts about being Black and do they know what Black is and what's that like? Um, That was really cool. Were they very receptive to doing that? Very. They were so cute and so energetic. That The best day ever, actually, because they were just so bubbly. And I usually teach, like, 15 to, like, 23. Mm -hmm. Um, 
in this group, they were just so energetic and they did have an awareness of what being black meant. Very surprisingly. Well, not surprisingly, but like to be so articulate with it. Like a lot of these young girls, they're like, yeah, I'm black and I know she's black and they're talking about hair and all this. It was just magic. It was great. Um, And Chris and Kwame led their own workshops as well on basketball and skills and leadership. So it was just a really great match. Mm -hmm. Um, Abir, she curated it really, really well. Um, And then we got like these nice boards of our faces and that got to be hung up for the youth. Just all in all, a really great experience. So that was that last Black History Month. Um, and then for Absolute absolute Vodka, that was actually not by accident, but like not really meant to be the way it was supposed to be. <laughs> so shout out to Absolute, the entire team, and everyone who was a part of this project. Um, basically, a really great friend of mine who's like an older brother, Randell. Um, he was the star of the shoot. Mm-hmm. They kind of want to capture him and his poetry and how that's making a change. So similar work that I've kind of been doing, but he's been in this way longer than I have. Shout out to the OG. But um, he kind of talked about why words are powerful mm-hmm. and how words can break systems, how words can disrupt and how words are just everything and how words are inclusive. They bring people together or they shut people out. Mm -hmm. Um, So the commercial was him reciting a poem and kind of displaying leaders and change makers and people who are really making a change in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think he got he got um, told that they needed more people, more leaders. He just reached out to me. He's (laughs) like, girl, um, we need you for this. I know it's last minute, but blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I'm in, but I have mm-hmm. class. The people on set were like, it's okay. Like, you come for this time and go to class and come back. Oh, my God. They were just so kind. I literally came to class <laughs> during this entire set time. But what happened was um, my picture was apparently so sweet and so nice, came out well, that I got chosen to be on the billboard. Wow. So that happened. So it wasn't about me. And I try to tell everyone about that, like— the campaign is not about me. I was a change maker in the campaign, but mm-hmm. it was centered around um, Randell and these wonderful drag queens and um, these two women who are doing like economical change as mm-hmm. well. Um, I was just one of Randell's like leaders, but the picture just happened to be a great picture. So they asked me if I, that was okay. I signed the form and then that happened and it was really cool. That's sick. When your light shines and people yeah. see it. <laughs> um, so... We did talk about women's voices, so I think that's dope. You touched on it without us even yeah. having to ask. Um, so you also went to the Dominican Republic for mm. a little bit, and there's a lot of students on campus who mm. want to get into volunteering, and I don't think people understand how to do that. Mm-hmm. So can you just talk about your experience going to the Dominican mm-hmm. Republic and building houses, and how did you get involved in a project like yeah. that? Um, so there's this thing called impact excursions. Mm-hmm. Um, I got lucky because it was through a, like a— how to explain this? Like one of those one-off jobs where you're not like doing shifts or contracts. Um, there's this company called I Love Travel and they kind of host trips for graduating students um, to get involved, um, to enjoy the graduation, to mm-hmm. be with, to create memories basically. And they're always looking for leaders and um, university students to kind of like aid that experience and enhance it. Um, a friend from Ryerson actually, I am not remember her name, I'm so sorry, <laughs> but uh, she told me about this. I applied, I got it, but I didn't even know the volunteering was so rich. But it's mm-hmm. actually a full day trip where they like paint, cement, built like real, like hard work. Like mm-hmm. I went for the first time and I did volunteer, but I didn't have that much of a big role. Um, and that was really great. We went to Punta Cana um, and the organization that does is Impact Excursions mm-hmm. where 
they bring all the students and kind of give us the tools to kind of create um, and help assist that process. And then the second year is when I actually was the volunteer lead. Um, also, not really by accident, but I think I think nothing's by accident. It's all like aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just my position that year. The year before, I was the trip leader. And then this year, they put me volunteer lead um, and the bus captain to go to the um, site. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to do the trip twice. So usually you could only do it once, but because I was the volunteer lead, I got to do it twice. Um, it was hot. I remember that day so clearly. Mm-hmm. It was hot, sweaty, but it was just great. And the, lots of the kids were there watching us do the process as well. So I found that really powerful. Mm-hmm. They got to see what was being created. Um, and yeah, that was the journey. And then I got volunteer of the year for it. So that was cool. That was really cool. Um, one last question of before course. we move on to uh, Verified. We do this thing where we ask every participant on our show. Um, but I want to know, because mm-hmm. you're very inspirational, and I, I see you. I'm sitting here, and I'm inspired by you. So I know that um, women and just individuals are going to listen to this mm-hmm. and be able to take a lot from it. But what inspires you? Mm-hmm. Good question. Hmm, that inspires me. I don't know people. I don't know if that's corny, but yo, people inspire me. I'm like a cornball like that. Like, I don't know. I like look at somebody and I just either hear something they said or mm-hmm. I draw to the energy or something. I'm just like, bro, like, I'm going to write about you. <laughs> or I'm going to write about that experience. Like, you know, again, I always try to use confidentially. I never write someone's story. Mm-hmm. But like what my bio said, like a lot of my stories are about the different and diverse narratives of people of color, right? Mm-hmm. Some things are not just me. It's like what I see, whether it's in media or real life. Because I'm inspired by people. And I think I wouldn't be able to be who I am if it wasn't for greats who've kind of like evoked that in me and kind of like have done incredible work. I'm like, bro, I kind of want to do that too. So like Toni Morrison, like Maya Angelou, like those are two women that I really, really aspire to be like mm-hmm. and to just make so much change and to be so iconic. Like, it's not really the iconic part, but what they did was iconic. Mm-hmm. Not really who they were, but what they did. Um, but who you are and what you do still go hand in hand. Um, so I'm inspired by people, and that's kind of where I've gone to where I am. Um, and it's not always just, like, influential people who are, like, you know, famous or rich. It's like the average Joe, like, I could have a conversation with you, I'm like, bro you're 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 this Mm -hmm. or you're that and I take so much away from people and I think again that's where the talking comes from but I love it and I love people and I love getting to know people and I love again the stories I always talk to stories I love stories and hearing about what people did or what they went through and it's not always sad stories or like traumatic stories it's just Mm -hmm. like the good shit or the good lives that they've lived or the magic that happened or the coincidences like I love all of it so I think it's the stories that have brought me to where I am I love that. Yeah. And I love people. So that's yeah. perfect. <laughs> um, so Verified. It was created um, with the understanding that a lot of times people go on Instagram or Facebook and um, they seek those likes and mm. that validation. So if you could redefine the meaning of Verified, what would you create? Mm. I would say self-affirming. Um, I think 100% we all want to be validated Mm -hmm. and it all comes from childhood. This is a normal thing, healthy thing. A lot of people get judged for it. We all want validation. But outside of the validation and the likes and like you said, the verification, um, I think it's being able to Mm self-affirm. You need to be able to establish that before you're able to receive, you know, other people's gratification. Um, And sometimes you won't receive that gratification. So what are you going to do after that? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you going to do when people aren't telling you how great you are? Who's going to be there to tell you that? You have to be, right? So being able to affirm yourself is really powerful and important. Mm -hmm. 
And I encourage everyone who's watching your podcast um, and everyone who's out there who's kind of like stuck on comparison or stuck on Instagram or social media is like build that self-affirmation because that's what's going to take you further. um, And that's what's something you're going to need to like kneel on and depend on when you have nobody telling you how great you are. Mm -hmm. You got to be that voice. So I would say self-affirming. I love that. Um, can you just plug in all your social media so people can find you? Um, it's all the same and everything. Um, Kiosha Love, K-E-O-S-H-A. Um, love with three E's. And my website's just Kiosha Love. Regular love. Amazing. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening. Make sure that you catch our episodes every Friday. And we just have a special gift oh, for thank you. you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Vanessa, for having me. And of thank you to the entire Verified team. Thank you.